People try this every day. They make something at home and sell it online. But what needs to happen to turn that simple idea into a multi-million dollar business? What is that X factor that makes one person a success while another simply washes out? For Jamie Cross from Make Living, the X factor wasn't money or a great network. In this episode, we explore how and why she built her business from the kitchen table through farmers markets and into one of the fastest growing companies in America. Hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every week I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new to the show, then take a second right now to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes, and you can grab some older ones when you're done with this one. Don't forget as well, you can join our Facebook community. Just visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders, and I'll see you there. So welcome along and let's meet Jamie. So this week, I'm delighted to welcome Jamie Cross to the show. Jamie runs Make Soap. Jamie, do you want to maybe just start by introducing who you are, where you are, and the kind of work that you do? Yes, thank you. Um, I am in Colorado, Colorado Springs, Colorado, and I'm Jamie Cross, and I've been an entrepreneur for 10 years building a skincare company, and we also now have the Her Effect where I'm teaching other women to do what I've done in building companies and being successful in the home and in entrepreneurship. I think Colorado is pretty much the top of my US bucket list. I've been to Florida twice. I think most tourists go to Florida once or twice. Yeah. But I really do want to venture past it at some point. That's amazing. Colorado's amazing. You would love it here. Yeah. It's all mountain biking and skiing and snowboarding and it's just exactly what I need. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about Make Soap, first of all. I think one of the things that obviously a, a lot of people who come on the podcast, they're sourced by me. I, I hunt them down and I look out people that really intrigue me or inspire you. And I get contacted quite literally every single day by people wanting to come on the podcast. And I've said no to 99.9% of them. But what really intrigued me with your business was from a for an e-commerce business, there's a strong personal brand there, which I really want to understand. And at the same time, I know lots of people who've tried to do what you do and not really done it very well. You've done it very, very well. And I really want to, to know what have you done differently to build this business? So hmm. There's lots of places to go. But first off, tell me about Mixup. What, what was the genesis of that? Yeah, for sure. So it was 2010 and I was two and a half years into full-time motherhood. I'd come out of, you know, corporate banking and just the whole corporate world and two and a half years into full-time motherhood and I just knew that there was more and so I remember we were in this sort of I was in two positions one is we were struggling financially because I had given up the salary my husband was a full-time teacher and wrestling coach and our take-home pay was was laughable he's now the COO of the company so we work together but at the time, the, the financial struggle was real, you know, debit cards declining at the grocery store at checkout, you know, the utility companies calling. And um, but even more than that, I just in my own person, I knew that um, I, I knew I wanted to build something and create something and do something really powerful in the world. And so uh, just one particular night, I just went to bed like bawling my eyes out and I 
ask God for a billion dollar idea so that I could change the world and leave a legacy for my family. And it wasn't too long after that I had a dream. So um, the dream was like a roadmap to this day. Here we are 10 years later almost. And I remember every detail. And so woke up from the dream, told my husband, I'm going to start a skincare company. And I did my research for a year. I didn't know anything about chemistry or you know, herbal alchemy or anything like that. And so I studied on my own, nursing babies, you know, having a family, all of that, and then launched in 2011. So no background in cosmetics, that kind of thing at all? None. No, yeah, I had grown up on a farm. So like, as a farm girl, and I understood the value of fresh and I had an early diagnosis for an autoimmune disorder. And so like, I'd always, at a very young age, had a you know, an appreciation for preserving health. And so there was that f- factor, but <laughs> yeah, nothing regarding formulation or anything like that. So what did day one look like? Obviously you had this idea, you decided to launch it, but that that very simple thing of saying, having an idea and launching it, there's a lot in there. It's true. Yeah. Good question. I always say that it, it always starts with our yes first And so getting really, um, you know, it doesn't always start with like this big idea or this dream or vision. A lot of times just starting is a very practical thing. And so for me, it's like, okay, I have this idea to start a skincare company. I decided that soap was going to be our first product. And so I went out that day and I found books on chemistry. I remember studying old like 1930s medical journals on the skin. I was studying the human body and just herbal alchemy and um, and I researched for a year before I formulated our first product and you know emulsion and <laughs> stabilization and all these different um, factors to bring it all together but day one was just okay I need to learn how to how to create something powerful because and now looking back I didn't really think about this early on but we're in a saturated market so in the beginning it was like I just was really driven to create something very excellent that would create results for people. And how long was it in between the having the idea and actually making your first dollar on a consistent basis I guess? Good. Yeah, that's a great question. So it was Um, a little less than a year of, okay, I've got this finished bar of soap. I was passing it out to friends and family. So I got proof of concept, getting phone calls from people, you know, this is the best bar of soap I've ever tried. And (laughs) from that point, it's like, I don't have money for a website. I don't have money for labels and pretty packaging or, you know, logos. So I had been in sales and banking. My very first job was at 16 years old. I was a telemarketer. So I understood like just get out there and hustle. And so I just started walking up and down the streets of Denver and Colorado Springs with my soaps and was walking into stores and talking to owners and buyers and making deals and then just um, grew. That first year was very rapid local growth here in Colorado. And so I would say from the time I got the idea to the time I launched the product, it was like that first day I went out onto the streets, I was making sales. See, I love that. What's what's coming through there, and I think this is really where we're going to start to see what it was that separated you from the millions of other people that try and start soap businesses, if I'm being crude, is the hustle. It's just there. And understanding that you need to do the hard work. It doesn't matter if you have a great product. You have to 
get that great product into the hands of people that can get it into the hands of people. Yes. Yeah, it's not about the one sale, but it's about that one person who can lead to dozens or hundreds of sales. Yes, exactly. I think too many people want to cut corners or like get to the millions ASAP, you know, but it was a 10-year journey or a seven-year journey to that point. But definitely just doing the work is so critical. And at what point did you feel actually this is going to work or we're starting to see some traction? There's a business here. That's a good question. So for me, starting out, I never started with this idea that it might work. I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing. How do I get this thing to be the best in the world? <laughs> you know, how do I how do I make a splash? Um, and so it was uh, a year of just wholesale retail model, doing the whole like store thing, and then I jumped into farmers markets. It, it did that for four years, and that was where. Um, I would say we really created proof of concept on a whole new level and we really started to develop a brand. I mean, there were situations like, you know, you talk to a thousand people on, in a week because we were six, seven days a week sometimes doing markets and and you'd get feedback or people would be like, hey, I've tried everything or I've tried every lotion and potion. I've spent money on experts. Nothing's worked. Can you help me? And so there was that like going back to the drawing board and, and getting clear on what kind of problems we were solving and then it was just you know people coming to I remember there would be like three or four other soap companies or skincare companies at these markets that would send spies to my table and they would start like copying me and so I got I had to get really clear on who are we and what do we stand for and um and that was a process for sure but it was at the farmers markets I would say that I was like creating something very tangible um, that we could build from. I think what you're describing there is is something that I see quite often, which is you have an idea, but then you start to react to what other people are doing and your own idea loses its central strength. Hmm. And and having that commitment, that sort of sense of mission that, no, this is what my product is. This is what my product is for. This is why my product is. That's quite powerful. I really like that. Yes. Well, and you know, you've got people that would come to your table and they'd be like, this stuff doesn't work. And I'd be like, okay, why didn't it work? What didn't you like about it? And I learned so much about finicky people and which is what the majority, like most people are finicky. So it's like, I learned that people wanted texture and essence and they wanted efficacy without like this heavy feeling of skincare product. And so I got really clear on how do I make something that is just so wonderful for people to experience without getting offended in that perfection process? And so I think too many people are so close to their work that they're that it's like an emotional offensive process to learn from the market, but you got to separate yourself in that way and be like this is data. I'm just going to gather data here and then go back and make this thing the best. Mm. And and in those early days, did you have any mentors or people that were sort of guiding you or helping you? I think it's often we instinctively think great people became great on their own, great businesses. They're just great people make great businesses. But a lot of the time, great businesses, there's a family around them. Was there anyone like that there helping you? Yeah, my husband, 
I mean, everybody should meet Nathan. <laughs> he was, you know, he was the one saying, go, babe. You know, I would come to him crying and like, I'm sorry I made a mistake or it's taking a long time for us to really like grow this thing. I mean, my husband would teach, he would coach, and he would start pulling in like these landscaping side jobs so that we could be buy a soap tank. And we were turning very little profit in the beginning because all of our money was going back into the company. And we would have those hard discussions around, okay, <laughs> you know, how much longer do we have to invest? And we always came back to this idea of there's two prices to pay. You can pay the price of mediocrity or you can pay the price of pursuing vision. And, you know, it's like here we are 10 years later and I'm so glad we had those hard discussions and that we did it together. But I was just talking to a friend the other day who's an entrepreneur. and we Like there weren't a lot of people who could relate to like my journey or even give me solid. I had, you know, we've had like financial advisors and mentors in that way but like the everyday how do you do like how do you build a company how do you create proof of concept all those things I had to learn on my own and I was just hungry to learn um, everything I've done has been driven by this hunger to learn and this fear of mediocrity <laughs> like I didn't want to be 20 years from now looking back on my life and saying what if I had only or what if I had just you know gone all in and so but that's kind of deviating from your question. Uh, but so my husband was the really the biggest cheerleader for sure. There's another question that I, I feel I should ask, and it may come across as impertinent. And if you think it's impertinent, then we're going to cross just we'll go back and delete the question. <laughs> okay. And this question could go the wrong way, in which case I will delete the question. But a lot of cynical people might have picked up on the the corporate banking experience that you've got and think oh, she must have borrowed lots of money to make this work and got lucky. Did you have to borrow much money? Or was this sort of all sort of naturally organic growth? Yeah, we bootstrapped. I mean, mm. we we were like pasta without sauce. <laughs> we were like, if we bought fruit, it was like bananas. And I'd have friends that were like, your kids are going to OD on bananas, you know. <laughs> They're going to get too much potassium, you know. Uh, but no, it was all like... You make the sale, and that was that was how you continued to grow the business. But no, there was no like banks and finances. We we worked for everything. I am so glad that that's the answer because I was really hoping that was going to be the answer <laughs> yeah. because it really makes for such a good story. Mm. And I think there's such a culture. Uh, it's it's definitely in the U.S. in the U.K. I'm sure it's in the U.S. as well that. Great businesses don't exist without venture capital funding and bootstrapping is just too slow and you you just have to get lucky and nobody wants to work that hard and buy to sell or build, yeah, build to flip or whatever you would call it. Whereas what you're doing is a nice organic growth over time just by building a great product, sticking to your guns, knowing who you're for and what you're for. You know, I love that. So one of the things I look at as well with the the soap products is it's not just a soap anymore. There's a whole ecosystem of products that that seems to be very thoughtfully put together. So tell, tell me a little bit about that because again, that's quite unusual, it would seem. Not that I'm a big cosmetic user, but... <laughs> yeah, well, the, um, the vision was one day to be able to dominate in home, health, and self. And so 
Um, and this is something too that you learn in in your journey with people is like some of the best marketing is gosh you're using this product the next follow on like natural um, follow on product is like if you're going to use a soap you're going to need lotion and one of the things I, I did very early on was I created the MIG method which is like for the body for the face for remedy for for men and I, I take people through this sort of experiential journey with product that because um, I believe too like you know you we have so many people talking about beautiful skin but they're neglecting the gut or like all the internal health that's you know that's necessary or and even the soul like our tagline is seed to soul and so one of the things that I've really done over the last couple of years is connected all of our systems together with our products so you know the emotional factor the soul factor of inhaling essential oils and experiencing that along with like soft skin and then now we've got supplements that are whole food based and they're addressing like the internal health um, and when you bring all of those systems together the idea is that we want to activate people so that they can become who they were born to be and so we've taken skincare into like a, a total body total person empowerment movement <laughs> you know yeah I I really like that. I didn't realize you did men's stuff as well. I have to go and have a look. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the man method. Oh, right. That sounds really cool. <laughs> One of the things that stands out within your marketing strategy, if you like, is the ambassador program. And I didn't really dig too deep into that because obviously it's it's not it's not very obvious to reverse engineer that. So at what point in the, the growth of the company, did you introduce that? And what part does that play in your, your overall marketing strategy? I love telling that story because it's so, it's so like, this is what we're doing and where we're going now. But it was last year. And of course, last year, we were at about the nine year mark in our business. And we had already at that point done like three plus million in our year and a half of being online. And I just thought I was starting to feel restless. And knowing that there was more impact I wanted to make and I wanted to, I had started the Her Effect, which is a business that I had sort of had this vision for back in 2015 to help women do what I had done, but um, I didn't know how I was going to tie this idea of activating and empowering women to build successful businesses with the soap company. And so last year, um, after it had been, I'd been told years and for years and years and years, Jamie, you should start a social selling business model. And I was like, heck no. <laughs> no way I will never do that and last year I really in this sort of restless season of what's next and where are we going to go from here I felt really prompted to start studying that business model and so I discovered that it's the most powerful business model on the planet because everyone can win and in order to like win you have to help other people win and it's a it's a business model that's been driven by ego and greed and I thought if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go into it knowing that my responsibility is to restore an industry and help build people. And so um, it took us about a year of just all putting the building blocks together. We um, found some amazing talent who put together a logistics team for us and um, just all the different pieces. You know, we make our own product. We ship our own boxes. We do our own tech. Um, 
it was a lot like building getting all the feedback from amazing field experts who are now our ambassadors who were like this is what we want in a good comp plan and so i it was about a year and then in um, april of this year we launched as a matter of fact a lot of our data team has been around for 15 20 years in the industry and they said jamie we don't know if you know this but you broke um you broke records and you were in the top 10 of of all network marketing companies that launched in the history of network marketing so <laughs> we launched with like over 2000 ambassadors and just because uh, we had done nine months of pre-launch it was just very intense of building and connecting and tra i traveled all over for um all over the country just m doing meetings and talking to people and so we have a good foundation of um, and the whole idea is building people, serving people, what is their goal? And we're not here to like tell you what, you know, you should be making millions or you should be out there hustling. It's like we've got people who have never, ever done a single, you know, like they've never sold anything in their life. They're stay-at-home moms. And we've got people and experts who come from, you know, industries and we're serving all of them and giving them a place to call home. I think something I really like about, what I feel around your ambassador program is it doesn't feel like a top-down network marketing model. It really feels like a grassroots movement that's that's grown up around the business. That's certainly how it looks from the outside. Oh, I could virtual hug you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so what are your ambitions for that? Are you At the moment, it's really just a US thing, isn't it? Right now, it's US. We'll, we will go global. I mean, like the vision in the beginning was we got to change the world. And I think wealth is one of the number one ways to, to create impact. And um, the conversations that Nathan and I are having, you know, the conversations we're having with our team, like what kind of things can we do? So being number one is like one of my goals. <laughs> I want to five years from now to be dominating in home health and self and be the number one network marketing company on the planet. And so aggressive goals, but I know we can do it. And um, so much of that comes from this place of just like, we're talking about what country do we want to buy orphanages in? And we do a lot of work with human trafficking. And, mm. you know, I know there's some other philanthropy that we want to get involved with, with children and adoption and that kind of stuff. So there's just so much, there's so much that needs to change in the world. And I think wealth is one of the number one ways to do that. If if you don't have money, you really are kind of limited in what you can do. Yeah, if you can't pay your utility bills, it's impossible to change the world. It's true. Mm. So I would like to ask you a bit more about the marketing of the business, because obviously this is the Digital Marketing Entrepreneur Show. We've, we've got to cover the entrepreneur bit, but I want to look at your your marketing. And what stands out for me is the personal brand element of the marketing. I mean, obviously, as, a, as an e-commerce business, you will no doubt you'll be doing some advertising of some kind. But I'm curious to know, within the personal branding side of things, how important you feel that's been in the success of the business? Because I see lots of e-commerce businesses that should be good, but I, I kind of feel that if, they, if the business owners would appear in the business, it would just thrive that little bit more. How intentional was having your personal brand in, in that is my question making sense? Yeah, it was <laughs> It was not only intentional, but it was very, like, it was based out of necessity, you know. And it's funny, too, because 
in the farmer's market days and in like all before online, um, I would always hide behind my products. Like, here's my products. They're the heroes. They're amazing. You know, I'd send samples out or like people would rave about the product. Well, when you go online and I'm doing video marketing and I'm writing my own copy and um, now, of course, in the ambassador model, like relationship is so important. And so I kind of had to bring myself out behind the the curtain and behind the table and, and just put myself out there. And, you know, you can go back to my early videos and they're awkward and I, I wasn't great on camera. And, um, but I just was like, it's either that or, or you just have a mediocre business. And so <laughs> it was based on, it was based on necessity. But now I realize like, and this is where I think people, people often think that building a business is just this external process of like creating something external. But if you really, if you really embrace this process, your becoming is just as important as building. And so, so with that, like, I think I just recognized early on in my, the digital marketing season of, you know, that was back in 2017, just, I had to get out there and, and like connect and love on people just like I did at the markets. But now it was like via video. And then even in the way that we've, the fortune is in the follow-up, you know, so We've got an amazing email sequence that we create and, you know, we connect with people on the soul level. We don't just talk about skincare. We talk about becoming who you were born to be and what's stopping you from going after your dream. And, um, and so I think that message that comes from my heart is what, what people see. And so I, I agree with you. If more entrepreneurs would tap into their own personal like vision for people, and let that really shine in their brands they would probably would they would probably grow like crazy i i, I love what you said about the pro, the process of becoming that in order to build your business you need to build your yourself as well if if you want your business to become amazing you're kind of going to have to become amazing as well <laughs> yeah you have to embrace the process what am i friends in the early stages she said Jamie the hardest thing you'll ever do in business is grow a backbone and <laughs> you know we talk about like in in the inner like the entrepreneurial circle it's like man if you if you stay the way you are and who you are you'll never get to where you're supposed to go because I've had to turn around and like annihilate the Jamie that got me here because the Jamie that got me here isn't going to get me there and so you're constantly having to choose change and transformation and evolution and growth and um and most companies i think probably the stuntedness in business comes from the lack of growth in the entrepreneur they just stop being hungry i think it's a tiring process you've got to have fortitude in this journey you know i think as well that that whole pushing against your own comfort and leaning into the fact that success lives in discomfort yes uh, is wholly underrated uh, and i think that's that's really why i'm glad that this was true for you because it's very easy in some regards to buy yourself buy your way out of having to do the hard work it's it's easy if you borrow money for example to hire an agency to take care of the digital marketing may the wave the magic wand and you could have an element of success yeah but do you feel you would have had the success you have now if you had had the money to spend on getting other people to do things early on? No, and that's that's 
great that you mentioned that. That is, that was like a battle too, because there were so many times where I was like, I just should hire somebody to build my funnel for me or somebody else to come along and try to like do my copywriting. And then when it came down to it, it was like, well, not only is that expensive, but it's better if I, it's so much better when you get to understand that ever like, especially in the beginning, like I don't do all those things now I've, I've delegated, but in the very beginning to have an intimate knowledge of every aspect of your business. Like when I'm working with my copywriters, I'll give them like really key insights and here's how I write copy and this is what works and because I've done it or when we're shipping boxes, I'm like, hey guys, if you do it like this, <laughs> you know, um, the box will come together faster. Like I've done every part of the business and most people that start with capital, sadly, they end up just blowing that money and they're, they're in debt and it's so much better to develop things over time and learn as you go because you can become a faithful steward. I, I'm like, man, all the work that I've done to get where I am right now, like there's no way I would never just take a hundred thousand dollars and blow it on marketing or blow it on this or that. I like, I'd be very strategic because I understand every aspect of my business. Like nothing's been shortcutted. I think the one thing I'd like to dig into a little bit is your YouTube channel. And this would broaden now into video marketing in general. But you mentioned that your early videos were quite awkward, but they're not now. They're really very polished now. They're, they come across as very professional. And it's important for people to understand that process because a lot of people look at somebody like you, the YouTube confidence that you have now, not just you, your whole family, really. They've become accustomed to that. They've grown, become comfortable with it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but what was that like in the beginning and how did you train yourself to yeah what did that look like these are good questions I love that question because it takes me back to one of the first videos that I did where okay so here I, I was like doing the farmer's market thing I'm gonna go online and I find this digital marketing expert so I start reading all of his material and I'm studying through his stuff and he's like okay everybody needs to do this what's called the perfect webinar video format. If you do this every week for a year, you're going to make a million dollars. And I thought, I believe this guy. He's he's done what I want to do in in digital marketing, so I'm going to like follow him. And so I thought, whatever it takes, I'm just going to do it. And so I remember the very first time I had created my script, which was really awkward too. Like my whole script was lame it, and it was a 30 minute video presentation to sell like a bar of soap, which nobody wants to sit for 30 minutes and watch you sell them a $25 product. So I had to get that really condensed down. But I remember the first time, like I asked my husband, I'm like, can you take the kids and can you help me set up the lights? And I was in the kitchen and my palms were sweaty. My, my heart was like beating out of my chest and I could feel just like the get me out of here and get me through this. Like, I just need to hurry up through this presentation and just post it and just see what happens. And sure enough, like 90 days of that, 90 days plus, no sales. Um, nobody was biting. And, uh, and I, but I kept going back and watching my videos and thinking from the customer's perspective, if I'm going to listen to this girl here, what's my internal and external false beliefs? And there's this whole framework that Russell Brunson teaches about like, you know, the new opportunity and what this framework is supposed to look like. So I was asking myself all these 
the right questions and I was going back and doing these videos over and over and over again, tweaking and fixing and until finally I remember uh, it was September 10th of 2017. I had done the video, I think probably over a hundred times at that point. And I was like scrapping the script. I had tweaked the script so many times. I, I think I was like, I had the, the right format, the right message. I had practiced on video and that finally sent, I, I, the script literally blew away in the wind. I, I threw it out. <laughs> I was sitting outside my house and I was like, just screw the script. I'm just gonna speak from my heart. I had done the dang thing so many times. And so we did a thousand dollars that first day with that video and 130,000 in that first six weeks. And we hit our first million in less than six months with that one video, which now has like 30 million plus views on it. Um, so it was definitely a process of like, I totally suck at this, but I'm going to suck at it less the more I do it. <laughs> so yeah. I just got to keep going. And so what does your production process look like now? For example, I had a look at your farmer's market video. I think it's the newest one and it looks professionally produced. Oh yeah. Have a video team. Well, a video person who, and then a, an editor edit, at a editing team. Mm. Um, and so sometimes she does editing in house. Sometimes we outsource the editing, but, um, just one girl who it's worth it to have a good creative team who can, and honestly, it's not, it's not that necessary, especially in the beginning. Like most of the time people convert better when you're just doing like selfie style with your phone. And so as we're building the brand, like I'm expanding, but, um, if, if I ever had to go back to just selfie style, it would work. Um, it would mm. work really well. But I think what I like about the video that you're doing now is it's not very far away from selfie style. Yeah. It, it, it's it's really very close, which is why I, I kind of thought you were probably doing it yourself. But no, I mean, in the business you're in, it makes total sense to have somebody taking care of that. Yeah. It can become like a full-time job, uploading oh God, and yeah. downloading and sent, you know editing and all those things. But, but you, it's not necessary to be successful. I would say... As much as you can do in the beginning to hit that first million without delegating, the better. You know, once you hit the first million, then start like figuring out where you can replace yourself in certain roles. And how do you move into the confidence for the, I think doing it in your kitchen, for example, where there's nobody watching, most people can bring themselves to do that if they're forced. But walking around in public, having somebody filming you and talking to the camera, that takes a different level of confidence. How did you move, how did you move into that kind of work? Yeah, that is just, you kind of just get out of your own head. And you. I think some of the greatest success comes from not even really considering yourself or thinking about yourself. You're always thinking about, you know, your people, the, the people you're serving, the people you want to impact. So I'm always imagining like, I'm talking to a group of people right now. I'm not talking to a camera. It's, this is going to be on YouTube. What does that person need to hear to give them hope for their day or to get mm. them like through whatever struggle they're facing? And sometimes it's like a skincare tip or like here's how you shop at a farmer's market. But I know that, and we always tell our ambassadors, our, you know, soap is a gateway drug for giving hope. <laughs> so, you know, that's really what we're doing here. So getting really just focused on the vision and, and what you're doing and, and get out of your own way and just get out there and do it for other people. That's the most important thing. I think that is the most important thing. And it was your ambassadors that I was kind of thinking of that need to hear this the most. 
because I work with lots of different kinds of businesses. I work a lot with the kind of businesses that might be your ambassadors, micro businesses, solopreneurs. And a lot of the time, this is their biggest issue. It's how do I get from here, which is self-conscious, awkward, kind of scared of, scared of being visible, to being out there, letting people see me because people buy from people. And if you're on a mission, you want people to know that. You want people to go on that journey with you. But it's just crossing that bridge is so hard for so many people. And that's kind of why I wanted to look at, okay, how did you get from where everybody else was to where you are now with the, the confident video marketing that we all see? And that's that for me has been very useful. That's awesome. Yeah, you just got to keep doing it whether you're good at it or not because you you'll get good if you practice. And how does your family feel about it? Because I think for a lot of people, that's actually a big worry as well, is what will my family think of me doing this? Oh, like extended family? Well, I guess your close family first, your you're sort of immediate family. But yeah, your you're wider family. Yeah, sometimes like the boys will be like, not another video, mom, you know? <laughs> or Nathan will be like, because they'll be like, oh, babe, go get your camera, like, you know, if we're going to do some selfie style stuff or, hey, we need, we're going to have our video girl come and like do a shoot. And sometimes it's like, okay, you know, we'll do another video. But um, one of the first things I did when our business started to grow was I hired my mom to help in the house. And so like I always said, I would take care of her. I've hired my brother my husband's hired his sister. So we've actually got a lot of family who have watched us in this journey and they're like now part of it. But um, I guess I never really think about them because I'm just like, they're not writing my paycheck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm more concerned about how um, how we're serving the people watching our stuff, you know. Yeah, I think I think what you've summed up there is it's it's the mission that fuels everything. Exactly. And And if you get the mission right, if you get the why right, everything else actually becomes doable there's a reason there's a motive there's a, a reason to move yes um, and it can't just be about money yeah no you're quite right so jamie you've been really really generous with your knowledge it's been so useful and i'm very very grateful but i need to sum up with a question that i'm becoming really good at remembering to ask everyone and that's what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago that's a really good question um, it's actually being present. It's this idea that sometimes we think like, oh man, I have to get this thing done now. If I don't get it done, like all this thing, all these things are going to happen. And so like not living in the future so much as visionaries and entrepreneurs, we tend to live in the future. But if I could go back five years to Jamie, I'd be like, hey girl, it's going to get done. Everything's going to be okay. Like enjoy this precious moment with your with your three-year-old or with your family and like be here with them. Don't be in some other world mentally building your business, <laughs> you know, be present. That's a great answer. Jamie, if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to find out more about your business, your products or the ambassador program, how would you like them to do that? Yeah, they can go to migliving.com and email us and we'll get y'all connected. We do have the YouTube channel and all that good stuff and the podcast, but migliving.com is the best place to start. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Bob. So great. Meg Living and Jamie are a fantastic role model for how an owner-operated e-commerce business should be run. The X Factor is Jamie's commitment to personal growth and doing the hard things which make her stand out. 
These are the things which allow people to connect emotionally with her and her company and create relationships at scale. Relationships are her X factor. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe. And if you haven't already, join our Facebook group. You'll find a link in the show notes or visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. I would love for you to connect with me on social media. Follow me wherever you hang out. You'll find me at Bob Gentle. And if you do, let me know and I'll follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It's the very best way to help me reach more subscribers and it means a lot to me. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Jamie for giving us her time this week and to you for listening. And I'll see you next week.